Welcome to Easier Movement, Happier Dogs. This is the podcast where you'll learn how you and your dog can feel better at any age. You'll learn how to reduce the effects of aging, arthritis, injury, and even anxiety so you and your dog can feel younger and lead happier, healthier, more active lives. I'm Mary DeBono, best-selling author and international teacher, and I'm so happy you're here. Now let's dive into the episode. Hello, and welcome to Easier Movement, Happier Dogs. I'm Mary DeBono, and I'm so glad you're here because today we're going to talk about how you could learn some simple skills that can help prevent minor issues with your dog from becoming serious problems. Okay, so this is super important. And I found that the best way to do this is to first identify what kind of dog person you happen to be. Because I've discovered there's about probably about four types that I see across the board. And the first one is the type of dog person who just says everything's going to be fine, right? Everything's fine. They don't really look at what's in front of them. Maybe a little bit of denial, maybe a little bit of disinterest. I don't know. But they don't take action until it's an emergency, until the dog is really limping badly or swollen a lot or is crying in pain or or something pretty darn obvious. But they choose to ignore the more subtle signs, the kind of like subclinical things, and they wait until it's really an emergency before they take their dog into the vet, for example, or address a behavioral problem or whatever it happens to be. They just choose even unconsciously, they're choosing to ignore things. So again, like you you hear people like this saying, oh, he's fine, he's fine, or she's always moved that way, you know, I'm not going to worry about it, or oh, he's super active, he probably just pulled a muscle, even though like the dog has been limping for weeks, stuff like that. So I'm guessing you don't fall into that category. Then the second category is someone who just, they love their dog, they want to do right by their dog, but they completely hand over all responsibility to someone else. They just think, okay, you're the expert or you're the family member that takes care of that, whatever the case may be. And they don't care at all to educate themselves to be a participant in their dog's health and well-being. So they don't think about, they could possibly be doing things to, number one, prevent problems from happening and or to help their dog recover more fully and more quickly if a problem does happen. So they just choose to, so-and-so tells me to do this, that's what I'm doing. And they just hand it all over. Again, I'm guessing you don't fall into that category because you're here, you're listening to this. Now, the third category is the person who, they're just like really scattered with their attention. They really care and they try all the things. Maybe they go to a number of different vets, they try all kinds of different modalities, they read a lot of different things, but they don't give anything a real good shot at helping their dog. They might go to an expert once or twice. They might read 
one or two blog posts about a certain thing or watch a couple of videos or read a chapter or two in a book, but they don't take the time to really focus and learn something and actually put it into actually apply it. So they never give anything a chance. And then they say, ah, see, that didn't work either. And they're on to the next thing. And what I've seen is there are some people like that, that, that feeds a need they have, right? It's an addictive quality. Like just keep trying new things, trying new things, trying new things. It keeps them in this perpetual emotional state. And really what ends up happening is their dog is suffers because the dog never gets the benefit of lots of good information out there, lots of good modalities that maybe could help their dog. So they just go from, they bounce from one thing to another, maybe something that's trendy at the moment with dogs or whatever, and they never give anything a real shot at working. Hoping you're not in that camp either. The fourth camp is what I'm thinking you fall into. And this is the person who's a proactive participant in their dog's health and well-being. So they take the time to learn, to educate themselves, to gain skills. They learn about dog movement, dog behavior, dog health, and they put it all together so that they can help their dog live the longest, happiest, healthiest life possible for that dog. And depending on I mean, it doesn't matter what age the dog is when they start this, but that's the journey they want to be on with their dog. They want to be a partner to their dog. They want to be their dog's advocate. They want to help their dog. So how would you then, for example, go about doing this? Well, one way I find is that starting to notice things with your dog is really, really crucial. It's something I I teach all of my students in my programs right away is how to notice things. And you can start with number one, noticing how you feel. I know that sounds funny, but what is your gut telling you? So let's start with that. Trust your gut. If you think you just have a gut feeling or you feel like something about your dog is a little off, pursue it, pursue it. Talk to your vet about it. Take your dog in, have it checked out. I'll give you an example from my own life. A number of years ago, my dog Ruby started becoming incontinent. She started just peeing inappropriately. She'd be sleeping or whatever, and she'd pee or laying in her bed, she'd pee. And she was also drinking more water than normal. So I immediately took her to the vet. My regular vet wasn't in town. So I saw an associate vet and who who was a fully qualified vet, but just wasn't the normal vet that I used for Ruby. And this vet did a smart thing. She did a urinalysis and it came back that Ruby did not have a UTI is what the vet said. And so she just insisted to me, kind of rudely, I might add, that she's an old spade female. So she's incontinent. Ruby was only 12. And I say only 12 because she lived to be over 17, never had this problem again. But anyway, getting ahead of myself. And what happened was that is saying this to me that, you know, she's an old spade female. This is what happened. And she dismissed abundant water drinking. She's drinking more water. She said, no, it's summer. She's hot, whatever. I'm like, no, I know my dog. 
Well, she wanted her to be on this medication to address the incontinence. And I didn't want to put her on that because I, I knew in my gut that wasn't it. That wasn't it. Luckily, a regular vet was coming right back into town another day or so. I took Ruby to see him and he agreed with me. He said, no, this, this isn't that. This isn't that. And turns out she had a kidney infection, which we treated her for and she was fine. And so she didn't have any episodes of incontinence after that, never went on that incontinence uh, prescription. And she lived to be over 17. It was happy, healthy, active till the end. Again, she was still a quote unquote old spade female, but she was fine. So this is where I tell people, you know your dog the best. So you, you know your dog the most. If something isn't sitting right with you, either press it a little more with your vet, maybe encourage a little more diagnostics or take a little more time or simply go to another expert. I've counseled um, clients in this situation quite a bit. There was one dog I remember, he was a basset hound. And the first time I saw him, I knew immediately he had osteosarcoma. He had bone cancer. I just I just knew it. I f- and I f- I felt this and I had never met the dog before. But the minute I put my hands on him, I'm like, "Oh, this is not right. This is not right." And I did not I'm not a vet, so I don't diagnose dogs or any other animals. And instead, I encouraged the dog's person to take the dog to a vet. The dog was limping. She had already taken the dog to a vet. And the vet had said that he thought that the dog got stepped on by a horse because she had horses, which she knew the dog didn't. But he's like, oh, it's just something got strained or pulled or whatever or stepped on. You know, he'll be fine. So then at my urging, she took the dog to another vet. And the vet said that he thought the dog had a stroke. And so then she tells me this and I'm like, "Mm." again, I I don't want to say what I think it is, but I encourage her to go to yet another vet. And this time I said, put their hands right here. Like, and I showed her exactly where I was touching on the dog that I felt what the problem was. So she did that. And unfortunately, the dog had bone cancer. And actually, this has happened to me a number of times where I felt things that ended up being problematic that other people didn't feel. So again, I would encourage you, if you think something isn't right with your dog, and that's not to alarm you, okay, or get you into like a hypochondriac type mode, because most of the time the dog is fine. But again, if you have a gut feeling that something should be checked out more, certainly pursue that with a veterinarian. So again, trust your gut, important. Now, the second one is we're using our eyes now. So we went from gut to eyes. Watch how your dog walks. You're like, well, my dog is walking. Now, obviously, if your dog is limping, you'll notice that right away. But what we're looking for here is we're looking for small things that could potentially become serious problems. So if your dog suddenly changes how they walk, that could indicate, one of the things it could indicate is that maybe there's some back stiffness. Maybe the spine is getting a little bit arthritic. These are things that can be addressed at an early stage. 
So let me explain this. Typically, dogs walk with a four beat gait. Okay, what that means is that, for example, say the left hind leg starts, then the left front leg, then the right hind, and then the right front, and then back to the left hind again, and on and on. That's four distinct beats, and that's how many, many dogs walk. Not all dogs, though. There's some breeds of dogs where it's more normal for them to do what they call a pacing gait, where the legs on the same side move at the same time, or an amble, which is similar to a pace, except the hind foot goes down a fraction of a second before the front foot. But again, it's that idea that there's the one side is looks like it's moving at the same time, the legs on one side. Okay. So both left legs, both right legs will move at the same time in a pace. And again, an amble is slightly different, but looks similar to the untrained eye. So you have to find out what's normal for your dog. Now, dogs with long legs and short backs, for example, will often pace just to avoid stepping on their front feet. Kind of like the front feet can't get out of the way fast enough. And that's okay. That's just normal for them. So again, certain types of dogs, certain breeds, that will be normal. The important thing is to notice how your dog walks when your dog is healthy and see if that changes over time. You may also notice that your dog only paces when she's tired or when he's going over uneven terrain and has to work differently to get over it. Okay. So start to pay attention to that because that could signal that your dog maybe is getting a little back stiffness, things that we can address. Okay. I worked with many, many dogs and helped them reverse that. Okay. And of course, work with your veterinarian as well. So maybe even a video, video your dog walking, video from the side, play it back in slow motion. Now, what if you say, well, Mary, my dog's already pacing. My dog is already in her golden years and is pacing. Well, still notice how she's doing it. Okay. Maybe take some videos, keep some like records of it. And there's still lots of things you can do to help the dog restore a sense of flexibility and suppleness to her body. She may or may not go back to walking with the four beat gait. I've seen it happen many times, but sometimes it doesn't, but they still have a lot more mobility and a lot more comfort. And you stop that vicious cycle of arthritis that can often develop. They often get into this downward cycle where things get stiffer and stiffer, more and more restricted and problems develop in other areas. So again, we're, what we're doing is we want to be aware. We want to be observant and start to notice when things change. So let's talk about the difference between trotting and pacing. Trotting is a two-beat gait. So what that means is that in the case of trotting, the diagonal pair of legs will move at the same time. So in other words, right hind, left front, left hind, right front. And it's a real efficient, like fuel efficient gait for most canines. You see coyotes covering a lot of ground, trotting, right? So that's different than the pace. The pace is more of the speed of a walk and it's the legs on the same side moving together. 
So definitely different. Again, video your dog, play it back in slow motion. It's a great way to train your eye. Also notice if your dog suddenly starts bunny hopping when they're running or anything like that that's different. Important to notice these things. Now, also notice changes in behavior that might come about from changes in how your dog feels physically. So for example, maybe your dog used to always jump on the couch or the bed or in the car and suddenly is no longer doing that. So these are things to to notice, or maybe your dog isn't doing the zoomies anymore or, or isn't bringing you his favorite ball or toy that he always did or stops tugging like that the activity involved in tugging could be uncomfortable for your dog suddenly. So these are things that definitely are worth noticing and worth discussing with your veterinarian. Another one is to notice how your dog sits. Now you may think, well, what do you mean notice? Well, many dogs, most adult mature dogs will sit where their hind legs are tucked under them. The back is kind of more or less straight and the hind legs are very tucked. If you're now puppies often don't sit that way. Puppies often have like one or a hind leg kind of cocked out to the side, what they call a puppy sit or a sloppy sit. So don't worry about that. If your dog, if your puppy is sitting that way, it usually isn't a problem. Usually, again, discuss with your vet. But if your mature dog suddenly starts cocking a leg or both legs out to the side or sits with the back really rounded or maybe has always sat like that, but they're a mature dog, that's definitely worth discussing with your vet. That can indicate a problem with a a knee, the hip, the back, a number of things could be a problem there. But it usually involves that like the dog is unable to fully flex the joints of the hind legs while keeping the back more or less straight. So I've seen some dogs I've worked with that have always been that way. And there was definitely issues with the back and the hind legs. And the person, the owner says, oh, she's always been that way since she never stopped doing the puppy sit. And so again, that can it may indicate a problem and definitely worth discussing with your vet. And certainly if you suddenly start to see your dog always sitting in a sloppy sit, that's definitely worth um, a talk with your veterinarian as well. So now another one to look at is how does your dog stand? How does your dog place the feet under her body? How is his tail held? How is his head held? Sometimes you'll see dogs suddenly start to lower the head and walk with the head in a very unusual way. And sometimes it's just a little change. So it's not a huge change that the person becomes, you know, notices it. So again, this is where starting to pay attention to these things is really important. This is how you're proactive. This is how you're going to find things before they become major problems for you and your dog. Again, taking videos and keeping them like in a special folder, either on your phone or on your computer, can be really, really helpful because then you could really look at it. You can look at it in slow motion and stuff as well. 
Also, when you're thinking about like how your dog is standing, pay attention to the shape of your dog's back. Because what happens is over time, the shape of the back can really change. And it could indicate that, again, maybe there's some stiffness, maybe some arthritis is developing. Maybe your dog has to use the back in a different way because there's problems elsewhere. Maybe problems in the legs. Even I've seen problems in the neck and chest will cause the dog to stand with, with, the, with the back rounded. The rounding can be in the middle of the back or the lower back. So pay attention to that. Pay, start to really, on a very regular basis, at least weekly, I would say, really run your hands over your dog's back, feeling the shape of the spine, feeling the, the ribs, feeling the bones of the legs and the cervical vertebra, the spine of the neck. You want to feel all these things in a very gentle, again, just a relaxing way. Don't get it worked up over this, but just in a way that you're just like, you want to really know your dog's skeleton. You want to know the shape of your dog. Feel the muscles. Are they evenly developed on the legs and in the back and around the shoulders? Start to pay attention to these things. It's really, really important because then you'll know like, oh, this doesn't feel right. Or you'll notice, why is my dog using this hind leg a lot more than the other one? That could give you your first clue that maybe there's a strain in a knee ligament or some other part and you can address it before it becomes a major problem. So really pay attention to these things, any kind of muscle asymmetry, again, how your dog is standing, walking, trotting, running, how they're using themselves, really, really important. What we want to do is interrupt any kind of downward spiral that may be developing, because that's what can lead to those major problems where suddenly it becomes a big injury or a more advanced state of arthritis or whatnot. So again, really important to work in combination with your veterinarian, but really start to take a proactive approach with your dog's health and well-being and get in there and use your hands, use your eyes, use your gut and have fun with this. This is about also like doing it in a very relaxed way that you're just noticing. It's a bonding experience when you're running your hands down over your dog. It's not anything to be alarmed about. It's like, wow, this is interesting. You can think of yourself as like you're a sculptor and you want to, to sculpt a statue of your dog and you want to get the shape exactly right. So do it in that spirit where you're curious. You're not overly concerned, like you're not alarmed in any way. You're just curious. What I like to call compassionate curiosity, which means that you're not judging it. You're just like, oh, this is interesting. Okay, this is how, you know, her back, this is how his, the leg muscles, the hind leg muscles or the front shoulder, you know, the shoulders or what have you. Again, just compassionate curiosity, make sure you're breathing easily, make it fun for you and your dog. Well, I want to thank you so much for being here. I really, really appreciate that you're listening to this and that you want to be proactive participant in your dog's life. Okay, well, I'll talk to you very soon.
Thanks so much. Bye for now. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Easier Movement, Happier Dogs. Now, have you grabbed your free canine masterclass yet? It's a series of videos that can help you and your dog have greater mobility and vitality. All you have to do is go to marydebono.com forward slash dog. That's marydebono.com forward slash dog. Thank you again for being here. I can't wait to talk to you again. Bye for now.